Hey everyone, I'm Jonathan Grzbowski, and this is a Blind Entrepreneurship Bonus Episode brought to you by Penji, a podcast that helps entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision to profitability. Today's masterclass features podcasters and businesses coach like Joe Pardo, Carrie Eric, and Marquise Richards. Some of the takeaways from the webinar include strategies to find your niche when creating a show, what makes a good interviewer, and how to make your content stand out from the rest. As you know, we have this podcast. We do two a week from uh, the Blind Entrepreneurship brand, and also we do uh, one a week from Shades of Success, and then we also have a couple of other shows directly associated with Penji. And it's been a absolute amazing experience meeting new people, um, but also being able to share stories and provide valuable content, create valuable content for, for you, the listener. Um, so you know how important podcasting is to our business here at Penji. As always, feel free to reach out to us directly on under the social media platform, J, or head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment on today's episode. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody, and enjoy the rest of this episode. It, it looks like we're live. Um, thanks to you, everyone, for joining us on today's webinar, uh, Penji Masterclass Podcasting, What You Need to Start and Succeed. I'm Sakina, the uh, Director of Partnerships here at Penji, and I'll also be the moderator of the panel today. And my guests today are Super Joe Pardo and Carrie Eric, the founder of Yaya Podcasting. So I will allow them both to introduce themselves in full and tell you what they do and um, you know who they are and how long they've been doing it for and why they are experts in podcasting. And then we'll get into this uh, conversation. So Carrie, you want to start? Yeah. Hi, everybody. I am Carrie, and I am the founder of Yaya Podcasting, a company that uh, helps podcasters with production editing, and I do coaching as well as training for other podcast professionals. And I've been in podcasting since about 2014, had my first show, was really successful, also very overwhelming to do it all myself. So I retired that show and went into the business of podcasting. And I've been doing it since 2017 and having a great time. Awesome. Thanks, Carrie. Joe? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm Joe and uh, I've been podcasting since 2014 as well, oh. uh, in May of 2014. Uh, and I... Uh, yeah, I have like over 380 episodes in that one show, but I've done several different shows, including one for my conference, which was, was called the Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference for five years, uh, from 20, uh, like 2015 to now. Um, and we just recently, uh, as of like this weekend, <laughs> rebranded to the Indie uh, Independent Podcast Conference or Indie PodCon. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm here in South Jersey. I had the pleasure of working with, and I don't know which direction I'm pointing in, but, but with Sakina. Uh, yeah. I'm diagonal. In, I'm diagonal to di- you. Diagonal. <laughs> so, my, yep. I'm pointing off into yep. nowhere, I guess. Perfect. <laughs> um, thanks, Joe. And, and Marquise, you just joined us. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell people who you are and what you do? Yeah, um, no problem. So my name is Marquise Richards and I podcast and also the This American Negro podcast. And so for me, I am a freelancer. Um, I do social media management and web hosting, um, but also do events and different programming. I'm currently a, um, 
I guess, program leader for this program called Project Lift in Philadelphia. And so mm -hmm. I'll be teaching media, podcasting, um, civil discourse, and stuff in tech as well um, with some of the students. So that's a little bit oh, about wow. me. That's cool. So you all talked about how long you've been podcasting and in this journey. Uh, what made you all want to start a podcast? Was it strictly for ways to leverage your business or was it for personal reasons? Was it just because you wanted, uh, you were curious about it and you like listening to podcasts? Um, Carrie, what was kind of your reasoning for, for starting podcasting? My reasoning was that I was listening to a podcast already. It was about scrapbooking. I was really into like the crafty stuff. And they decided to retire. <laughs> and I was really disappointed. So I got together with some friends and we decided that we would take, you know, pick up where they left off and with their blessing. Mm -hmm. So it was really a personal, just I wanted to talk about what I loved and podcasting was a way to share that with my friends and the community, essentially. Yeah, for sure. And Joe, what about for you? Was it... Was it for business purposes or, or personal? Uh, not initially business. Um, it was more about having an opportunity to learn from other people and figure out what it is that I wanted to decide. I just left my family's very large company and I, I really had no idea what I was going to do. And I just released a DJ album, my first DJ album, and I was doing a bunch of podcast interviews and it, uh, you know, it, 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 it gave me an opportunity to learn more about like, okay, if I, have this podcast and I can build a brand around that podcast and build a following, you know, write some books and do coaching and speaking and all these things that I enjoy doing. Um, and that all kind of came out of, out of that. Gotcha. Marquise, what about for you? Yeah. So for me, it really changed, um, thing. when I was listening to this podcast called um, NWA, one of the people from the hood kind of speak in a language that bridged them together. And so for me, it was really because the local newspaper wasn't getting the news right in my hometown. So it was really mm -hmm. just like, oh, another murder, another this. But it really never talked about how... Um, And never actually talked about how the issue happening and what led up to those issues. Is this better? Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what I wanted to kind of get into a little bit more. And so this allowed me to have a discussion, but I got to talk about it from the Black perspective in my hometown. Mm. And a lot of people started looking to us for different resources, but also what was the young millennial thinking about at this time? Yeah. So you wanted to change the narrative in the city? Yeah, it was really pushing a different narrative within my own community. Love that. What about some challenges that you all inevitably have uh, faced within your, your journey? So when you start, when you first started, I'm sure you didn't know what you were doing or you had maybe seen some other people podcasting, maybe some people around you, but you kind of have to figure it out as you go, uh, which we all learn. So what were some of the challenges that you faced early on, Carrie? For me, it was really editing was the first big piece because I had no idea what I was doing at all. And 
I was basically learning from 13 year old kids on YouTube how to use Audacity to edit my podcast. So that was a big challenge. And then as the show grew, because it took off and I really didn't anticipate that, managing it all, you know, dealing with, you know, sponsor invitations and things like that. I had no clue what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really hard. And it just got to be very overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> what, what YouTubers did you watch? What 13 year old YouTubers? Did you oh, watch? I couldn't remember their names and they're probably much older. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got you through. So that's the good They part. did. They did. Thank goodness for teenagers, right? And now you're uh, an editor full time and, and also a coach yourself. Yes. Yes. So I really did learn not just the what, but the how and why. Mm. Um, I was really tenacious about it, so which took a lot of time. It took years to figure that out. So, mm. and I just wanted, you know, for me personally, I just wanted to take that overwhelm away from other podcasters. Right. I kind of got into the business side. So, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think a show can be more successful when they don't have all those other things, on all the technical things to think about? Yes, I think when a podcaster is freed up to actually focus on creating really good content and not necessarily, yeah, my cat is, <laughs> yeah, um, they, they really do start to shine because it's, you know, they're doing the thing that they're good at and they're, you know, doing what's high value for them and yeah. I take care of the other stuff and it, it really um, has been, oh, she's eating my hair, has been, um, you know, and I'm working on some case studies, but it really does make a difference yeah. when you're able to, to really do what you're good at. Definitely. Joe, what were some of the challenges you faced early on? Uh, you know, once I, once I figured out that I wanted it to be, you know, a part of a business that I, I you know, wanted, uh, I think the challenge, the big challenge that I, I came across was like, okay, so this isn't like a sprint to a big sack of money that the internet was going to pass through like the, the screen to me. Um, and that I, I, you know, I had to get more creative with, uh, where the money was going to come from and, and really dig deep into, um, you know, spreading myself out wide with a lot of different offerings and things to figure out what I, not only what did I want to create, but what the people want from me, you know, what did people like, like what I actually did. And then, and then I could amplify that, um, so I would say that was the, cause I already had an editing, you know, editing background with DJing, um, you know, talking on the microphone, I, you know, with DJing, I, I had already done a lot of that. So it was more about, uh, getting really, I guess I would say even more comfortable with the mic if I had to go from like a technical standpoint, uh, and asking, getting yeses from people that I admired and wanted to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember celebrating some some big wins with, with some people, you know, about some people coming up wanting to be on the show early on that uh, I was like, well, I, I'm shocked and, and surprised that they would. And I got to have a conversation. Some of them have turned into some real, very real friendships that uh, still go on to this day. Yeah. Have you noticed that with some of the bigger guests or some of the guests that you were the most excited about that they tend to, to be underwhelming or, or have they over Because I've, I've seen that. I wanted to get your, your take. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the. Uh, I would say that there's a, there was a couple that were underwhelming, but they weren't the ones that I I really admired the most mm. leading up to me interviewing them. 
the one you know for the most part um like like here's an example so the guy that runs writes the the hidden mickey book that you sell or they used to sell it in disney world like like this like this rectangular book uh showing you where all the hidden mickeys were in disney world uh i reached out to him very early on had a great interview and we've been you know we've stayed in contact ever since so like it's just things like that where you know, I, I can't really say that there's been too many people that I was like, oh, I was really underwhelmed by that person. Uh, I can only think of one. Of, I'm not going to name names, but, <laughs> but there was one that I specifically I asked <laughs> just did not seem to care too much. So. Gotcha. You That's know, sucks. you probably know who you are if you even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's listening, but if probably, so. <laughs> probably not. Probably doesn't care. Gotcha. But that's cool. Like that's that's him doing him. Yeah, 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 for sure. Marquise, what about for you? <laughs> what about for you? Um, how are you able to overcome those obstacles? Yeah, um, so for me, Dear Wedding, it's four hosts um, that are in it. So I think it's more so meshing with, for me, it was people that I didn't know. <laughs> mm. And so it's really starting to build that team. What does that look like? Um, how do people react in certain situations? Are people good interviewers? Are people not good interviewers? And how can I help develop that? So I think the part that was hardest for me was getting people to buy into the idea of what podcast was, because my hometown really didn't know what that was. Um, but then also being able to coach people, because I went to school for broadcasting. I was, I was used to being in the studios around, used to being around equipment. So all that stuff was really cool. But I think it's more so the relationship building aspect of it. And building up that first live show was <laughs> one of those things that was really hard for me. Yeah, you actually brought up a good point, uh, how you develop talent and what makes a good interviewer. I want to get everyone's take on what they think makes uh, a good interviewer. Carrie? I think a good interview is a critical listener. And they have actually spent time uh, developing that skill because especially with somebody without training, you really need to pay attention to what other interviewers are doing, like be an objective um, observer of other great interviewers, because honestly, it is, there's a learning curve to, you know, jumping in and starting a podcast and figuring out how to listen to what your guest is saying and then formulate follow-up questions and I, I think that's a big pitfall for you know people new to interviewing is that they'll miss those questions like they'll miss the interesting thing because they have everything all planned out what they want to ask and then the guest says something incredibly amazing and, and the interviewer is like okay well how about this next thing so <laughs> so yeah I, I think you know that really you, you need it's a practice it, it's definitely a practice and it's really mm -hmm. joe what about for you what makes a good interviewer so a, a good interviewer or a good host that also interviews ah. <laughs> right because okay. because i when i got started i thought oh man i have to document my guest life right? This is the dreamers podcast. And I'm taking their life and I'm putting it in a time capsule for them later. That's mm. the importance of this. And it is important because I, even to this day, I get people that were on the show that aren't necessarily like famous or like rising stars or anything, but 
they're like, oh, so-and-so Googled me and found that interview, and it, it, it has actually affected my life in a positive way. Um, but I would say, you know, aside from being a critical listener, I don't want to just give the same answer, um, you know, looking at yourself as more of a host than just being uh, a, an interviewer. And the reason is, is because, you know, if you're having somebody on your show, that's awesome. That's great. I hope you have a great interview. But the fact of the matter is, is anyone that they that guest brings to your show, uh, you know, they, they need to fall in love with you because the person that they love that they came for isn't on next episode. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're gone. Like they're already, you know, maybe they'll come back in like a hundred episodes or something, but that person's gone. You need to be um, entertaining enough and, 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 uh, you know, engaging enough for that person to say, oh, I came, I came to watch Kina, but I really fell in love with what Joe had to say, and now I'm going to stick around to watch, you know, Joe's show going forward and, and hit, you know, hit that download button more often. That's a great point. Definitely. Marquise, what about for you? What, do you? what are some things you think? Yeah, so for me, I think it's actually a really good point on how people should fall in love with you as well. So we structure our podcast where we go through our news and our lifestyle and discussion first, and then we bring our guests in at the end. And so we started seeing that that's actually a cool format because people will stay for the duration of the episode. Um, but in terms of interviewing, it all depends on the angle as well. So it's just like, what is your conversation entailing? So for me, watching Dear Reddit, it's sometimes it's really just like an introductory level to who this person is. And so it's like, who are you? What do you do? Why do you do it? Kind of get the backstory of who they are versus this American Negro where my conversation will be on a very specific piece of research. And so I'm just like, all right, we'll get to know you for about five minutes, but now we're getting into the crux of what did you write? Um, what inspired this writing and how do you hope to incite some form of social good or social change within this mm-hmm. structure that we have? Um, so it really depends because there's a, think about it, there's a million music podcasts out there, but the reason you come back is like, why are you listening? That's why people go back to Joe Budden. He's problematic, but he brings (laughs) in different points that you're like, oh, okay, that's different. (laughs) Yeah. You want to, you want to see what he's going to say every week too. That people take his environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, he's saying something wild, but it might have the validity. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you all have any advice for people who might be struggling to kind of find their niche or what they're on, or whether it should be guest based, whether it should be kind of like an episodic series, or what is some some advice for people trying to find their niche? Carrie, my advice would be to play with it. Like there are no rules. You don't have to, you know, do one format and then do that format forever. Have fun. Be creative. Try things out talk to people like you know people you know are listening get their reaction talk to your family and friends and you know hash it out and have fun i think that we get into a place in podcasting where we're so rigid we're like we have to do it this way you have to do you know this this and this and i absolutely think that the benefit of podcasting is that there really aren't rules I mean, you can do whatever you want with your shows and there's, you know, you can change it in the middle. You can rebrand at episode 50 and it's okay. 
So I, you know, just have fun and and be creative and get messy and make mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. That's th- those are great points, Joe. You actually rebranded your podcast uh, a couple years ago. Um, can you talk yeah. about that? Yeah, so that was a that was a bit scary. Every change I made has been scary. Going from the only change that wasn't scary was going from when I was releasing one day a week, which was for the first week uh, of the show that, you know, back in twenty fourteen, and I was like, you know what? I have all these these episodes in the can, like rapidly expanding to like twenty, thirty episodes, like in advance. I was like, this is almost turning into a year's worth of content at that rate. I'm going to go three days a week. And then like three weeks later, like, you know what? I'm going to go five days a week. It was that, at that point when I, when I decided to come down off of the five days a week back to three days a week so I could work on other projects like my first book and, and uh, getting more speaking gigs and stuff that, um, that, you know, I was like, I was scared. And I was scared again when after... Um, after I was nominated for, for Business Podcast of the Year uh, from podcastboards.com, uh, uh, I, I was like, you know, maybe I need to look at my show a little bit differently because it's being nominated for, for business. And, and that's what it, in, at the heart of it really is. It's called the Dreamers Podcast, Business Lessons from Those Who Live Their Dreams, which even that tagline of Business Lessons from Those Who Live Their Dreams was a uh rebranding in and of itself you know looking at the core of what i was talking about so when it once i won i was like okay i think i think it's time i rebrand the show and and i wanted to simplify the name a little bit down to just business you know with super joe pardo and call it a day and since then um it's but but that was actually the second rebranding the first rebranding was moving everything from how to dream.co the website to superjoeparo.com when I realized that like I'm the brand, not the show. Mm. Um, and I think it's important to, to really work through like who your audience is and what you're, uh, what you're trying to come across and what kind of products or what services you're trying to figure out. So you can say, okay, if I, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, does the show continue? Mm. And my answer to that was no, mm-hmm. but, but that's totally different with like, the conference, right? MapCon and, and now IndiePodCon, it's, it, there's so many more people involved. I actually honestly believe that if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, I have the people in place that would continue that on. Mm. So I'm not really the brand, even though a lot of people are coming because of me, Yeah, it's, I think it would continue on without. For sure. Marquise, with the talent that you develop, how do you go about helping them to, to find their niche? Or is it something that they come up with on their own? Um, so it's actually been a really cool develop. So I'm going to take it from the time and then some of the other forms of podcasts that I actually help with as well. And so we're helping them find their voices um, because they started bridging out to do more content as well surrounding the podcast. So two of my co-hosts built out a, um, a blog. So they're doing blogging and a lot of traffic leads back to the podcast as well. Another one of my co-hosts does music. Um, so he still has all of his content leading traffic back to that. And he also releases like weekly poetry through email. And so when it comes to really developing that talent, I had to be patient with their voices as they developed because some of, sometimes we disagree on everything. <laughs> 
Um, but then other times when we do agree, it's like, all right, well, how do we bring this to another angle to make a listener still enjoy what they're listening to? Mm. Um, and I think that's something that was like super interesting because we talk about local politics, local news, but then also things that are going on in black culture and people are always fascinating. So whatever you're seeing on Twitter and what's in the, um, whatever the trending topics and stuff, we'll talk about how people react a little bit more so we can bring in that humane aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, really helping them start seeing like, what does the conversation look like? How do we make this like a very, it's a personal conversation you have with your friends with Stoop, but then how does that get into the public consciousness? Whereas um, for This American Negro, it's very much so different where I'm actively doing research. I've scripted out this production. What is it gonna be looking like? Um, what is the information that I'll be doing? What is the information I'll be citing? And so that one's a little bit more particular and much more scripted versus gear writing, which is a little bit more of a looser form to it. Um, and then also I work with, um, I do social media strategy for the Bronzeville audio drama. And so even working with them, they're very much more particular with their stuff because of it being like Lorenz Tate and Tika Sumter and them. And so when they do unleash the story, you now you have theater of the mind happening versus it being a, you can hear me now? Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, versus this being a kind of current events podcast, this one is very much so like a TV show, but in podcast form. And so you're coming back each week to see what's new mm. versus the other two, which are very much so they stay relevant because of us being more of a news-heavy or research-based podcast. So it all depends on like the angle that you take with what your podcast is doing and how to bring people into it more. Great point. So once you find out your niche, you create your show, what are some of the essentials that you need uh, when starting out? So equipment, are there certain apps, resources? What do people need to, to get started? Carrie? I think the first thing you need is a really clear mission statement and to really understand what your show is about and why you're doing it and who you're serving it. Because when things are hard and you have to make some critical choices, you need to have that foundation to fall back on for sure. And then in terms of like technical gear, I would always recommend a good dynamic microphone like the Samson Q2U or the ATR2100 if you're not recording in a studio because you're recording in an imperfect environment and those microphones will cut down on the background noise and make your post-production so much easier. And then you can use a free program like Audacity to record if you're doing a solo show and you can use that also to edit. And then you can use something like I recommend squadcast.com for recording remote interviews simply because the file quality tends to be higher or Zencaster is another one that's really good. Um, and that they Zencaster I think is has a free plan. Um, and then wh where you're recording matters just as much as how and what kind of gear you're using. So you want to record in a soft, quiet space so that you aren't getting a lot of background noise, a lot of echo or reverb, and you're basically getting capturing the best sound as possible because ultimately 
that sound on your podcast, how you sound as a host, as a personality, you know, in audio quality, that's your brand. So, you know, you wouldn't post a blurry picture, you know, on social media to advertise, you know, what you're doing. Don't do that with your podcast. Mm, really good points. Yeah, what about for you? What are some of the essentials that you use when you first start it? So I would, I would echo everything she just said, um, <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate here and say, uh, throw some of that to the wind, and here's why. Um, I, I absolutely love the ATR2100, uh, the Samsung uh, Q2 is supposed to be really good, I haven't used it. Quiet space, awesome. But I would say, uh, know what you're trying to go after. So, like, a great example of that is uh, one of the one of our indie podcast family members is uh, Bar Crawl Radio, and they go and they go to bars, and that's where they record at. Um, they still use you know great microphones and stuff, but you know to a certain extent you you're building that atmosphere for the person to hear. Um, I always tell people if you can get your audio to be about seventy to eighty percent like positive um, and not like scratchy or whatever, like too scratchy. Um, the content will carry the rest of it. Uh, in a lot of cases, I would say even like the, the earbuds that you're wearing, Sakina, uh, as long as you're not having it rub up against you. Uh, I mean, my, my good friend, Samantha Riley down in Australia, she's killing it with her podcast uh, and she's just rocking those, those earbuds. Um, mm. The content really is king. Uh, as long as the sound supply doesn't, isn't harmful. And I would also remind people that like, you know, he, we're, you know, in Philly, we're blessed to have like three FM radio stations talking about sports all day, every day. Uh, one is owned by CBS, multi, multi-billion dollar company, require waiting for people to pick up a cell phone and call in to give their opinion. And they're calling on a cell phone. And we all know it does not sound the best, but it's, it, you know, sometimes you got to do work with what you got and you try your best to clean it up. Uh, but the more you do spend in the equipment, the more time you invest in learning how to use the equipment, how to learn how to edit, the, the uh, less time you will have to spend editing because you will, not only will you be getting better at speaking into the mic, and that's like one of the biggest things that took, you know, uh, a couple, like, like 100, 200 episodes for me to get really good at speaking on the mic. Uh, but the... Uh, but the time in, in editing, you know, the outside noises, the hits, the hisses or the, the, the scratchiness or anything <laughs> like that, you know, it's just so I, I would say, yeah, I think she, everything she said was right. Um, but at the same time, it, it's think about who you're, you're, what you're trying to create and, and make sure that that's the case. Don't let the technology stand in the way of getting the message out. Mm. Like, number one, you know, you got a great message figure out how to, you know, record on your iPhone with the earbuds plugged in, like yeah. it has a recording app. Figure uh, it out. You, you know, yeah, Spotify now is owned by, or Anchor is owned by Spotify. That's the way a lot of people get their message out. That's number one. What's the message? How can I get it out? Mm, awesome. Marquise, what about for you? What are some essentials that people can use to get started? Yeah, I told them right away. Um, Content is honestly everything. Content, good content will, they'll forgive bad audio. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's something that I've always learned throughout um, college. And that's the biggest thing I took away. <laughs> um, but also depending on what you want to use as well. So when I first started Deoretic, we were just talking around my phone. And 
it just works. People, um, they'll forgive you what your first couple of episodes because they know they want to grow with you. So it's more rewarding as they take that journey with you sometimes too. But Crispy Audio is very nice because when we got our studio, it was everything. <laughs> um, but it definitely kind of helped up too. And the other thing is also just taking it to another format too, is if you also decide to do video podcasting. Um, so it's pretty good to get more of a shotgun mic if you decide to do that. So that way you can like align your audio and your video at the same time. Cause that's also something we do for our interviews is we do, we record a video. Um, and so we have our videographer and our photographer in there, but that's probably like best thing I can say. Mm. Um, and then the last thing is just have good social media, have a good presence about you. That's mm. it. Awesome. Carrie, describe your, your worst interview or, or describe your dream guest. So I don't, I don't know if you have like an interview-based podcast, but who was, do you have a story you can share about a terrible interview or who's like your dream, your dream guest? Oh yeah. My first podcast, I had the nicest woman on as a guest, except for she was using her, oh, her laptop and it sounded really really bad um and she didn't quite understand any of the questions that it was like I don't know if she was nervous or not but that was a really bad bad interview <laughs> so I had to hack it to pieces to like make it coherent and that oh, was so you still you still posted it I still posted it. Yeah, I hacked it up and posted kind of the best bits, but it was a much shorter episode than yeah. normal. Um, and then my dream guest, oh, that's a hard one. Um, you know, if I could sit down and talk to Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> that's a good one. he would probably be my, uh, my, I just love the way he speaks. I love, you know, what he says. And it's just, Oh, and I, you know, and he's kind of cute. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And Joe, what about for you? What are some uh, bad, bad interviews and your dream guest? You know, I I will spin that on its head and say uh, there was quite a few interviews that I thought were terrible. Now, Carrie, I, 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 uh, I feel you on that. I've had, I've had a couple of those interviews where they, they just recorded out of the mic on their laptop and it, mm. it was really not great and it took a long time for me to like clean it up and get it sounding at least not hurting my ears to listen to um and clear but i, I would say um to, to to turn the bad on its head i you know there's quite a few times where like i didn't feel like doing an interview i didn't feel like getting on the phone I didn't feel like the guest was going to deliver something of value, but I was still willing to go forward with it because at the time, like, hey, you're producing three or five days a week. You know, you need to have content. I want to have these conversations. And I will tell you, a lot of those times where I was not feeling it, I I got so much positive feedback on those episodes. Yeah. It, it, it blows my mind. You never know what's going to hit. I think everybody's been there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the days you feel the worst, those usually end up the best interviews for sure. Can everybody agree with that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and and your dream, what's your who's your dream guest? Uh, Kanye West. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, trying to imagine that because I know you. 
and I, I don't know him, but I, I'm trying to see how that will work. That would be interesting. Why, why Kanye? Yeah. Uh, well, because well, he, because he's like to me, he's like the ultimate dreamer that's alive at the moment. Mm. You know, uh, yeah. You know, I know he's got some controversy here and there, but most of the controversy is kind of stupid anyway. So, um, you know, I, I, I think he's one of the the creative geniuses of our time, and uh, and from, and I'd love to talk business with him, and you know, more specifics than just like like the creative process, but also the business side of things. It's, mm. it, it's very, it's very much intriguing. Marquise, what about for you? Worst, worst interview if you've had one, and your your dream guest. Um, worst interview was with somebody I won't name their name, uh, but they were so excited to be on the podcast, and they're like, "No, I gotta get on. I gotta do this. I gotta do this." And I was just like, "All right, but like, let me schedule in for the interview." And we got in, and. Uh, we're, I'm a very conversational person, and so when the team was, like, pulling teeth to get answers out of this person, we were just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very hard to keep up, like, that energy and charisma, and I was just like, oh, this is not yeah. it. <laughs> but a lot of people responded well to it, too, and I was just like, for how? But mm. we let it happen. <laughs> yeah, well, did, so that, so that For that person, did you notice that they had interviews like that before, or were they kind of upbeat in their other interviews, but in this one, it was just hard to get answers out of them? It, maybe it was just a bad day? I, yeah, and I want to say it might have been a bad day, or it might have been a little bit more difficult for them to kind of always say what they say, um, because coming in for me, I want to make sure I still have a responsible platform and so I'm just like, uh, so any of your <laughs> wild stuff that you'd be saying on a regular, that doesn't, that doesn't fly with me. I will push back and I invite a dialogue, but I also like the deferred one me likes to debate. So I'm just like, <laughs> we're definitely going to have this right now. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's something that he was nervous about is because normally he can dominate a conversation. Um, mm. But this time when I pushed back, it kind of was like, oh, are you? Oh, I'm not used to this. Yeah, he wasn't and so I think it kind of, yeah, it kind of hurt his ego a little bit. And my um, two of my women co-hosts, they were just like, oh, somebody? I never saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it was real. It was funny in the moment, but it, I was also, like, observing how he wasn't used to people pushing back on what he said because he's so used to being, like, his word is always like up here, but I was like, ah, that's a little problematic. So we're gonna talk about this. Let's unpack that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds um, like it could have been a good a good interview too. I mean, on on mm -hmm. your end, it probably felt good to to kind of have that debate. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I definitely saw. I think it's more so because you're right in front of me, so I'm just like, oh, body language changed right away. Mm. So I was like, uh. Yeah. And I try to make sure like. The guests are still okay and they can keep that energy, but he definitely shut it down a little bit into the interview. Mm. What about your, your dream yeah. guest? Who do you want to talk to? <sighs> My dream guest. I guess for this American Negro, um, it would be Toni Morrison. Um, so I just assumed that are alive, to be honest. Um, but she really catapulted a lot of the research that I did in college for my theater degree. Um, in terms of talking about Black women in literature and playwriting. And then I think Alive for Dear Redding, I, Beyonce and Blue Ivy. Like, <laughs> can I get that mother-daughter combo? <laughs> like Blue Ivy, what it's like to 
<laughs> Beyonce is a mom. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you all measure impact in, in your work? So whether it's through the podcast or um, whether it's through like your business, your coaching that you do, how are you measuring impact? Carrie? For me, it's, it's really about seeing a transformation, whether it's, you know, how I've grown and transformed over the years, um, my audience, how I, you know, I get feedback, you'll get feedback from your audience and they'll share their stories with you. And that part is really incredible. I mean, I don't think there's any other, like, that's the reward of podcasting, I think, ultimately, is when you touch people and even if it's just one person like that makes a difference that's a, a real world impact and for my clients it is all about watching them step into their leadership in their particular niche and watching them grow and all of a sudden they're doing all these really amazing things that they didn't think they could do a year ago and that that really that's like my proud pop mom moment when I see my clients like do these really amazing things I had one who just did a live event and I remember she was so she was lacking confidence when she first started but she stuck to it and you know now she's you know oh she's really grown and it's been amazing so yeah that's that's really that that person-to-person -person impact the, the relationships you form I mean it's truly amazing definitely Joe what about for you how do you measure impact uh, it absolutely carries hit it right on the head. It's it's about um, I was about to say it's about money. No, it's yeah. about people, and it's about impact and changing lives. Uh, you know, I mean, my show is about business, but even in in the fact that it's about business is really about creating uh, and saving jobs and, uh, and 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 creating a better experience for people. Uh, not just the like the team members of that business, but the uh, you know the customers, the clients of that business, uh, and 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 impacting uh, you know culture and society around that. So um, and expectations as well. So I you know I think uh, from the podcast standpoint, I mean that there was originally called the Dreamers Podcast. Part of it was for me to learn where I wanted to go and and, and experiment to figure out what what the goal and the path was. Um, but as it's grown, you know, I mean, I have clients now in, in you know, businesses, uh, doing very well. Um, it's, you know, but it's, it's me, it still just comes back to the relationships and the people that I get to meet. And then with, with Indie PodCon, I mean, it's absolutely about it because I don't make a ton of money from, from doing the conference, but, uh, you know, it's absolutely about the people and impacting, um, lives. I mean, one of the, like we had a, a situation last year at MapCon where uh, one of our attendees is blind and he, he took a train uh, all the way from Texas to, to be here in Philly. And, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, and he was it was reminded, uh, I was reminded of the fact that, like, hey, you know, Amtrak, Amtrak is, is screwed up. They, uh, they, they messed up and they need to, to be held accountable for it. And sitting in the room is like over a like a million followers, right? Mm. Like on, across all the platforms with all the people in there. So we started, you know, we all we all took out our phones, tweeted at Amtrak, and it was very it was very obvious that they were wanting to help all of a sudden mm. because <laughs> uh, it wasn't just one person with like right. ten followers. It was like a hundred people with like over a million followers. Yeah. 
did they did they mess up the schedule or something or did he they, his bag ended up in uh yeah i think in pittsburgh so it went from, oh, wow. it went backwards back towards texas and they uh they got it on there and then they ubered it to him uh which was good but it took, you know like i said they took some pressure because they weren't really giving them any answers yeah Oh no, they hate that. They hate being blasted on social media. Every every business that's a surefire way to get a very quick DM or response is Yeah, we look we all make mistakes, right? And and we're all human and and that's the the point. But at the at the same time, it's like how we react to how we handle like how we handle it after the fact is Mm -hmm. the most important thing at that point. Not just kind of writing somebody off. Yeah, definitely. Um Marquise for you, how do you measure impact in your work? Um, for me and my work, it was all about making sure that the community um, felt represented in a positive light. Um, so my the podcast started to invite a lot of civil discourse uh, within our community, especially in terms of race, identity, and gender. Um, and then it's also just, I had like the ultimate compliment. <laughs> we had a couple kids attend our live show, and one of the biggest things they thanked us for making being black and being smart looks super cool. And I was just like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I did what I needed to do. That's huge, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So it's really just, um, for me, it's really seeing my community gain a new light and start cultivating a culture that embraces conversation and that, that knowing that that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's really what measures a lot of it for me. Listens are awesome. And yeah, yeah, yeah. quantity is cool, but it's that the, compliment how you impact keeps me people, going every day. For sure. Yeah. Great answer. Um, so can everyone just leave us with like one takeaway for the people who are interested in starting and maintaining a podcast, whether it's for personal reasons or for business? Um, kind of summarize everything. Carrie? I would say pick it and stick it is my favorite <laughs> <laughs> piece of advice is don't dwell on the choices. Don't get stuck in decisions. Go for it. Just go for it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That was a great way to, to wrap up. Joe, what about for you? So it would have to be, uh, you know, don't let the, the tech get in the way. Don't let perfection get in the way. Because, uh, you know, again, we have multi-billion dollar companies relying on people to pick up a cell phone and have a conversation. Yeah. Um, so it's, Yeah. That way it would be it. Don't let the, don't let things get in the way of, of starting. Absolutely, Marquise. Um, for me, find something that you are passionate about that you want to talk about every single day, um, and find build an ecosystem that works with you. Um, so if you're you know you're not good at sound, find somebody who can edit their butts off. Um, if you know you want more conversational, you need energy, find somebody that you really vibe with pretty well. Um, that's the part that I think is super important. Mostly it's building that ecosystem and that team and what that looks like. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, the people that are watching and listening um, and another special uh, thank you to my guests, Carrie, Joe, and Marquise for joining us. Um, let everyone know where they can find you all to contact you, your businesses, website, social media, all that stuff. So you can find me uh, at my website, uh, yayapodcasting.com, Y-A-Y-A podcasting. And you can hit me up on Instagram at Carrie Eric. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. Yeah. She forgot to mention that she, you can see her as the She Podcast Live. Oh, uh, yeah. Upcoming, 
couple right? of weeks. Yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I am uh, actually going to be on two panels at She Podcast Live in Atlanta. Mm. Um, I believe it's October uh, 11th through the 14th. Uh, something like that. <laughs> nice. What are you What are you talking about on the panel? So the first panel is uh, empowerment through podcasting as a female, and then the second one is uh, all about editing. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Is that a, a a pretty big event? She podcast. Well, it's the first one. The first one. Okay. I think they're expecting about six hundred people. So. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck with that. That's a, a lot bigger than, than what we have today, but <laughs> I know you'll be ready. Um, and thank you for sharing for your, your expertise today. Joe, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at superjoepardo.com or indiepodcon.com uh, for next year. We're, we'll be in Atlantic City next year, September 24th to the 26th. Um, you know, we, we expect between two and 300 podcasters uh, in a very intimate setting, uh, learning all from other podcasters from all over the world. Yep. And uh, Facebook and, and LinkedIn and all that stuff to, to contact you directly if anybody wants to. Yeah, it's, it's at Super Joe Pardo or at Indie Podcom for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. It's, it's, perfect. It's, I got to stay on the two things. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Thanks, Joe. And Marquise, what about for you? Um, you can find me on all social media um, at Marquise Davon. Um, that's D-A-V-O-N. Um, you can also find Deer Redding um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's going to be Deer R-D-G is how it's stylized. This American Negro can be found at on Twitter only at American Negro underscore. And then you can also catch us at our live show where we'll be discussing our creative process in writing PA at Barrio Alegria, um, October 5th, Saturday. So it's going to be from 6.30 to 9.30 talking about our creative processes and our journeys on what that looks like as um, content creators of color. And then you can also see This American Negro will be hosting a live show at EdFest in Philadelphia, <laughs> um, which is through the Fellowship for Black Men and Black Male Educators for Social Justice. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, so I'll be hosting a conversation on what it means to be a black man in education, but also dissecting Brown versus the Board of Education as well and what the implications are for today. So, wow. a lot. <laughs> a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, October is busy. Thank you, uh, Marquise. And I'll link everybody in the uh, description on Facebook. Um, this webinar will also be on our website and it'll also be turned into a podcast, of course. Uh, so you can check us out at Penji.co. We provide on-demand graphic design to businesses, startups, marketing teams, agencies, and more. So check us out at Penji.co for more information about that. Um, and like I said, the webinar will be available on our website and turned into a podcast. So another thank you to my guests, Carrie, Joe, and Marquise. And to everyone else watching and listening, have a safe and productive rest of your day.